Hey, what's going on, everybody? You're listening to The Sane Show, the show about nothing and everything. I'm your host, Cliff. And today I have another special guest with us. He's a tour production and stage manager. He has worked with the likes of music icon Kenny Rogers, Carrie Underwood, Selena Gomez, Demi Lovato, Sia, and St. Vincent, among many others. Lenny Rogers. How you doing, Lenny? Good. How are you doing, Cliff? I'm good. I'm I'm good. Thank you for taking time out of your schedule to come on the same show today. I'm super excited to have this conversation with you. I really appreciate this, man. This is amazing. It's my first. <laughs> good deal. So really quick, before I introduce the topics, I want to take and shout out all the listeners in all 60 plus countries. I appreciate you guys. Love you guys for continuing to like, share, and subscribe the same show. And if you're listening and you don't already follow us, be sure to check us out on Instagram and Twitter at sane underscore show. Again, that's sane underscore show, S-A-N-E underscore show. And then you can find us on Facebook, the same show. Again, on Facebook, that's the same show. So today we're going to be talking about learning from the best. I know something that Lenny and I, <laughs> we know all about, so we're going to have an exciting conversation about that. And then we're going to talk about relationships on the road. Following that, we're going to have an interview with you, Lenny, so that we can learn more about your background, the work that you do, and all the exciting things that go along with that. Let's go ahead and kick it off with our first topic, learning from the best. In the brief time that we've known each other, in the key conversations that we've had, we've had extensive conversations about this, actually. Mm -hmm. But again, learning, learning from the best and obviously talking about how to conduct yourself when being around these people, what to do, being in the room with these kinds of people. And I think you're a great person to have this conversation with. And talking to you on the, the occasions that we've spoken about this kind of stuff, one of the things that came to mind for me, especially from personal experiences, having to humble yourself. And I always go back to when I met my mentor, Jeff, who's widely respected across the business, in the, especially in the music business. And I just remember when I, <laughs> and I love telling this story, but I always talk about how when I first had dinner at his house and I'm ready to just like show off how much I know. <laughs> but he said what he had to say first and then he looks at me and he says, now what were you going to say? Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, because, you know, sometimes it's not what you say, it's what you don't say, right? So if you right. listen, just listen, you're going to learn and typically the conversation is going to get where you're trying to move it to, you know, to, to interject. And I'm a big believer in affirmations, meaning if you'll sit still long enough, the thing you want to jump in with, somebody will bring it up and answer it. And it affirms that you're right where you're supposed to be in the conversation by listening and learning. Don't try to jump in to try to fit in. If you're there, you're there for a reason. You've already fit in. A lot of times those little pearls of wisdom, man, they'll just drop right in your lap, but it's up to you to hang on to them and use them and apply them later on in your career. A lot of people want to jump in, let you know everything they know all of a sudden, and then, you know, they run out of gas real quick. And I, I just think that by listening, <laughs> you, you know what I'm saying? You, you so, know exactly seriously. what I'm saying, right? Yeah, so, so, so by listening to, especially people, your peers talking, 
if you're listening to what they have to say, there's a lot to learn there. You might think you know everything and then some will come up and you're like, I never looked at it that way. That's exactly to change a perspective, to change a perspective right in front of you just by simply sitting quiet long enough. Right. That's so true. You know, one of the things that comes to mind for me, because it's like you said, if you, if you listen long enough, you, you'll learn what you don't know. Because mm-hmm. one of the things that moment taught me with Jeff is like, okay, there's a lot that I need to learn. And then yeah. like the things that I know, they've been new. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. And yeah, so exactly. It's like, yeah, they already know. Because I know for me, it was also a thing of needing to or wanting to be able to come into the business and offer something new. But it's like, if you don't know what you need to know, like the basis of it, you're not going to be able to do that because that, that was literally my thing. Like I only knew the basis and everybody knew it. So like, oh, we're already doing that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, a lot of, a lot of the music business really is your hangability. Let's just face it. It's can, can you hang? Can, can you hang? And that speaks volumes right there. And that's how relationships develop right there is your hangability a hundred percent. It's key. It, it really is key, especially when you're when you're running in the A-lister circle. Nobody wants to come across as a know-it-all. You just sit there. Again, I'm going to touch on the same point again, is by listening to conversations, especially when your peers are around, you're going to learn so much more, so much more. But but look, we're, we're tempted to jump in and interject a little bit. And, and sometimes you're just better off just sitting there. And taking it in and keeping your thoughts to yourself. And like I said, the conversation is going to get there sooner or later. And you can yeah. sit silent in your head and go, wow, I was going to say that. But they brought it up and they were going to make the same point I was going to make, which tells me that we're like-minded people. I'm on course here, right? Right. Yeah. Because you know, one of the things that came to mind is like, especially when you talk about people that are really young in the business. Right. And, you know, when you're young, because what I got into this late teens, 20 years old and, you know, bright eyes, right. You know, like nose wide open and I'm ex- it's exciting. It really is. It's exhilarating, you know, being where I am now and having gotten older, you know, matured a lot. I look at it differently. You know, I handle the conversations differently. I'm beyond blessed that I've been fortunate to be in the circle that I'm now a part of and to have these conversations with, you know, the, some of these industry executives at networks and, you know, some, you know, respected individuals like yourself and being able to be able to hold a conversation, right. right. And then be able to look at me and say, okay, I, this is a respectable kid. Right. Like, like, right. And that's the way somebody... you carry yourself. That's it. That's you just yeah. said, you just nailed it right there. It's the way you carry yourself. I've always heard that you, you'd be surprised what people would be willing to help you with and further your career. If they like you, they will go out of the way to help you if they mm-hmm. like you and you're likable because they want to see you do well. Of course, they want yeah. to see you rise to your full potential. And that's saying a lot right there. Because for me, <laughs> I, you know, I always think about the conversation that I have with my younger cousin, who's a producer, I, I told you about him. And we keep each other posted on our journey. And, you know, I'm a couple of years older than him. And you know, it was so funny when he tells me like, 
we talked about this. You told me about this. Like, yeah. <laughs> like you're, cause we're going, we're going down that a similar path though. You do music. I'm, I'm in the podcasting space and going into another space. Like some of those same, there's going to be similar elements. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There are going to be things that we both encounter just in different lines of work, but I'm going to help best prepare him. So when he gets to that point, he knows how to conduct himself. Yes. Key. He's in that right position. There. Key. My whole family has been in the music business. My whole life, it's all I've ever known. Brothers and sisters, father, uncles. And when that's the situation, you're kind of representing the family. So you, your family has a way of keeping you in check. You're like, oh, don't say anything embarrassing. Don't don't do anything embarrassing because you're going to embarrass the you're going to stain the whole name if you do it. So yeah, yeah there's that element where you're kind of like you know, it's, it's not me solo over here. I'm kind of, you know, brothers and sisters are listening. Aunties and uncles are listening also. So <laughs> sometimes you just got to be careful. You, you got to watch your words and rep and represent well, don't you? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. seriously. Because I even think about it with my older cousin <laughs> before. It's like, it's like you have to, I like to call it earn your stripes. Oh, yeah. You got to do certain things before they start introducing you to people <laughs> and putting their name on a line for you. They're like, oh, yeah, this is my little cousin. Oh, he's real cool. And then to be able to connect with those people and then they look at you, they look at me like my cousin looks at me and say, oh, oh yeah, he's uh, yeah, he's awesome. Right, he's good. Right. Well, especially when you're dealing with an older generation, in my circumstances, an older generation above me, my father, my uncle, where you don't want to it wasn't that you want to make a matter you you got took a chance of getting in trouble or anything you didn't want to disappoint them right that was key which is because that that can sting a lot harder than somebody being mad or upset with you because that can usually end with a hey i'm sorry shake hands let's go on but it's the disappointment that's daunting you know how it is you know yeah. you just kind of get that look and it's like oh it's going to take me a while to dig out of this one. What have I, what have I done? You know, and then, and then they won't say anything and you're, you're like, Oh, now they're not talking to me. So there's that aspect of it for sure. Especially when your father, if your father was in the business like mine was for years, years and years before you got there, same situation. Don't disappoint yeah. them. Whatever you do, don't disappoint them. All right, we're back. Now we're going to talk about relationships on the road. Though I've done shows, the most traveling I've done, I guess, is uh, going to another city or so and doing a one-off. So I'm really interested to get your insight, Lenny, on this as far as relationships on the road, especially, you know, again, as we've spoken on different occasions and more so recently really coming to divide the music industry into the separate silos, you know, one being the recording side where the music is actually being produced and then the touring side in which the music is being performed. And then, you know, you have all these other things that go into the making of a live performance. So I'm going to go ahead and let you take it away as far as like, you know, get relationships on the road and the importance of that as well. Right. It's everything. It's absolutely everything your relationships on the road you're going to be with these people a while six months eight months nine months a year maybe two years depending on how long the tour is 
it's everything. I feel lucky to be at the part of my career where I'm involved with the part of staffing tours with the production manager. And that feels really good to be able to have input on who you kind of bring to the party, if you will. You know, making sure, as I said before, those people have hangability and they're like-minded people. Because it's relatively a still small, small business, actually. Those relationships go on and on and on. They follow you around. You got to, you know, you're keeping in touch with people. This, I'm independent. I'm not tied to a vendor, meaning a lighting company, a sound company, a video company, a staging mm-hmm. company. I'm completely independent out here. So my relationships are how I get my work. Absolutely, 100%. So key is surrounding yourself with like-minded people so everybody can thrive. And being a stage manager, you have to have a lot of confidence in the people you surround yourself with as you're building the team. You really, really do. You need to be able to surround your people like with people that are like-minded, like myself, with the hangability that are even mm-hmm. tempered meant because it's not easy out there. You're doing 16, 18-hour days, right? So mm. you build these relationships over time and you help one another out. This is how I get my jobs. I might get a call to do something and if I can't do it, I'll say, this is old school, by the way, I'll say to the person, look, I can't do it, but I know somebody who can. And instantly when I have that thought, I think, does this sound like the kind of gig that they would be good at, especially if I'm going to do an introduction and refer them to the gig, right? So Mm -hmm. relationships are key. You're spending a lot of time out there with everybody, close quarters. I mean, what other job do you get up in the morning, eat breakfast, go in, work, have lunch, do the show, you're eating with them, and then you climb on a little tour bus. Now you're sitting around in your sweats and your pajamas, winding down, watching TV. You go get back in a bunk. You're 18, 24 inches from that person. I mean, other than a fireman or somebody in the military or a submarine, what other line of work are you operating like that? You need to be around people that you have good relationships with. And it doesn't always go that way. You never know what people are going through at home. Somebody might have a bad week. They might have a bad day. Hopefully, you're friends enough where you can approach them and say, hey, man, what's going on? Is everything all right? And help them work through that. I've had bad weeks, bad days out there where I needed to turn to my brother and say, hey, man, this is going on at home. Sorry about my vibe. And they understand. You know, yeah. So relationships are absolutely everything. And I have been so lucky to form some great relationships on the road. People that are my dearest friends today are people that I've done very tough tours with and came out on the other end of it with a lot of respect for one another because <laughs> we because we we got through it and we did it well and everybody kept their cool. You know, it's interesting as far as tours, right? Because mm-hmm. I'm, I'm thinking military now as far as like military tours, right? You hear soldiers talk about they go... You know, they're going on the tour and they're usually out for a couple months, come back for a little bit, go back out. I know in the touring business, you have cycles. Yes. So like go out on a tour. Boom. Okay. Come back for a little bit. Mm-hmm. Got another tour coming up, going back out on that tour. So I look at it completely different when you break it down like you did, especially talking about being in close quarters and having to, you know, have a great team, you know, the relationship and all the other stuff that goes into it in these different aspects that make up a team and not only make up a team, but the cohesive. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. No doubt. And some, some tours are like a deployment <laughs> other than a fun tour. You know, it's <laughs> it could be like a grind where you're like, ah, oh, here we go. 
you know, and then some you never want to end. Some you, you just don't want to see them end. And then when you get home, you find yourself missing the people you just spent months and months with and you, you keep in touch with those people, hence cultivating relationships and keeping the relationships going. That's how I've gotten some of my, uh, my best jobs has been through relationships on previous jobs with people that they got the call and said, hey, I, you know, I know the perfect guy. Like, I, you know, I know a guy who knows a guy kind of, kind of deal, yeah. you know. So, yeah, once again, surrounding yourself with like-minded people, people that operate like you do. I'm not going to say that they're all like that. I've, I've witnessed some tours, you know, like on bigger festivals and you see them roll in and they're grumbling and they're not getting along and they're talking about the guy that, that they're on the road with. And I don't like that. I just... I don't believe in that, man. It's, it's, this thing is a total privilege. You and I talked about that several times, what a privileged deal this is to go out and do this for a living. I think a lot of people, I'm hoping during this COVID thing that people are sitting still long enough to realize exactly what a privilege it is and to mellow yeah. out and come back going, wow, I've missed this. You know, I've missed this. That's the way yeah. I feel. I totally get it. Again, having... As a performer, elementary school through high school, performed in mm -hmm. choirs, and then again, having done the participate in the shows that I've been able to take part in with Jeff. I mean, it's just those feelings that you get after the show oh, when it's yeah. all over. Because you think about everything that goes into it, and it's like, wow. Like, I'm, I'm as you're talking, I'm, I'm kind of sitting here thinking about like this show, because yeah, like, oh man. Trust me, I, and I, I can go on and on about the work that goes into the show and then the work that happens after the show, but it's the moments, right? These moments, the, the show itself, you know, this conversation that you and I are having. And then when it's all over, you know, I, I sit in the chair and I think about it, it's like, wow. Yeah. <laughs> that was fun. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, it like, is a fun business. We live for. Yeah. Yes. It is a fun business. If you can get on a tour that is doesn't have a crazy schedule and you've got some great destinations and the tough days i always try to put the fun stops out in front of me i go hey you know this this next week might be tough but if we get through it two weeks from now we're going to be you know in barcelona or you know two weeks from now we're going to be in argentina oh, yeah. two weeks from now we're going to be in tokyo and you know you know right. you just kind of see that thing out there dangling where you're like get through it do the tough stuff get through it because you know, at the other end of this is your favorite restaurant or, you know, right. you know right where to go. They're not all like that. But if you keep that mindset that there is better times ahead, you can get through most any days. Right. Most right. any days. And, and I th I, let me just touch on something right quick before we move on. I think that's kind of the toughest part of my job being a stage manager is kind of keeping that diplomacy amongst everybody you know, keep keeping the vibe good and keeping the environment so everybody can enjoy their day, even though the circumstances are tough. I mean, you know, you, you roll into some buildings with no sleep that are that are tough, tough buildings to get a show in and out of. Circumstances might be less than ideal, but at the same time, a decent, a good stage manager, the ones that I've worked under that were my favorite and are still friends today, always made it seem easy. They always made your job say you know seem easy. They they gave you the space, the time, the labor where you could thrive in a less than desirable environment. And those are the cats that I always looked up to. I thought, wow, 
this is not easy, but they gave me the tools that I needed to do my job and they didn't hover over me and they didn't micromanage, but I succeeded only because they set me up to succeed. So it's kind of something that I always try to remember that there's always going to sort of be an adult in charge. There's got to be an adult in charge. Somebody's got to run the show the day of, and that's what a stage manager does. That's, that's his keeping the thing on schedule. I always try to remember that set people up with the right tools and the right circumstances to thrive. I know that's kind of off point from your question, but I didn't want to get too far out with this without no. bringing that up because it's, it's really key. It's, it's really, really key right there. All right. Now for the interview, I'm going to ask you a few questions, Lenny, so that the listeners and I can learn more about your background, your work, and all the fun things that come along with that. So I'm going to start with this first question here. Your father, Leland Rogers, and your uncle, Kenny Rogers, mm-hmm. were both in the professional music business. And now you are one of the few in your family working still. How do you incorporate the legacy you are a part of into your work? And is it a series of values or mindset that you got from them that you use now in your work? Yeah, it's a little of both, actually. It really is. I mean, when you're, you know, you when you were brought up like that, boy, now you say that, I'm just kind of like, ooh, <laughs> wow, <laughs> you know, still. And now that they're gone more than ever, I just realized the hard work it took for them to succeed at the level that they succeeded, you know, and I always keep that in mind, how much hard work has happened before I even got in the industry, right? And the, the little pearls of wisdom that you learned along the way. Again, it goes back to the first question, just by listening. I mean, their friends, their guys, their buddies that they were hanging out with were like top tier guys and intimidating the, the company that they were keeping. It was amazing to be in my formative years, in my early 20s in the business and have them keep that kind of company. And boy, you sure said quiet. We're mm-hmm. talking George Martin, the producer of all the Beatles album, basically the fifth Beatles. The Lionel Richie's, the, the Quincy Jones, I mean, the top, top guys. You didn't, you didn't jump in on a conversation with those guys around. You didn't, mm-hmm. but you were still in the room, right? right. You're still in the room. And I, I, I learned that really it's all about people skills, man. That's one thing that always stuck with me. If you've got good people skills, you're going to do well at anything. And you watch those guys massage and work their way through conversations with a mutual respect. It was so impressive to see that. And I'm just soaking it up. I am completely soaking it up, the whole thing. So a lot of that stuck with me. A lot of that stuck with me. And even, like I said before, even now, the more so that they're gone, I just kind of reflect on that a lot of those early years with those those guys in the company that they were keeping was just outrageous what a learning experience man yeah Fantastic. yeah <laughs> that's awesome that's so awesome man it never gets it never gets old hearing that yeah so you, your work currently consists of managerial work where you are over many people how do you manage your teams and the different personalities that can end up clashing on a tour yeah good question oh boy i've seen that happen a couple of times and it's just 
if you're the adult in charge of the floor, you know, like our, you know, tour manager, he gets people there, you know, planes, trains, automobiles, rental cars, tour buses. He moves the masses. The production manager does the advance work weeks out. He hands you a day sheet the day before letting you know the circumstances of the building you're going into. Nine times out of 10, you've been there before, you know the layout, you know it's going to be a good day or a tough day. And then it's up to the stage manager to get the show in and out of the building. Some days are better than others. Managing people, I think that it's important to kind of lead by example and just be there and create that presence if there is somebody there running the show. And that doesn't mean you have to be loud and proud. You can be what I like to say, polite but firm, meaning you're the timekeeper, you're on the floor, you got to make sure stuff happens in a timely manner. But going back to what I said before, if you set people up where they are in a winning situation with space and time and labor to succeed, it really is, it's a dance. It's a complete dance. I've been lucky to be on tours where there wasn't a lot of reckless behavior, I guess you could say. And, yeah. and, and people that were disruptive, I mean, they, we all know what we're there to do. We all know what our jobs entail. And, but there has to be somebody there that creates that presence that, hey, man, playtime is playtime. We got to do this because you saw the day sheet. Well, the day sheet is the running schedule of the day. It's plastered all over the building. Everywhere you turn, there's a day sheet. Everybody's aware yeah, of it. They those. see the, <laughs> Yeah, they know the timeline. And you're there to make sure that timeline sticks, to make sure it happens. So there's got to be that guy, but that guy doesn't have to be an old hard ass. You could be fun. I learned early from my father and Kenny. One of the early lessons that we spoke of earlier is that if you introduce humor early in the game, you can diffuse any potential situation that might go bad. So it doesn't mean you have to be rigid and hard with people as much as you have to just let them know you're there to keep the timeline, that's your job because the people above you are, are watching me. They're checking in on me also. How are we doing? Are we going to make sound checks? Are, you know, are we ready for the doors to open? Is it showtime? And so on. You've got to keep that schedule going because a lot of hard work went on to it to get to that point. I always remind myself of that. The advance work that it took to get people there, get the tour booked, get it going, Right up to showtime, I always try to keep myself in mind how much hard work and pre-planning went to get you to that point. Always. And it always brings me right back to center every time. Wow. Every time. Wow. Yeah. So relationships have been the backbone of entertainment for a while with who you know often outweighing what you know. The looseness, the dysfunctional family dynamic has led to some great art and friendships but is also the atmosphere that allowed abusive power to thrive. Do you still see relationships as being the necessary glue to the entertainment industry? Or are we starting to see a depersonalizing of the industry in the name of progress and change? Good one. You know, as far as abuse of power, I, have, I haven't really witnessed abuse of power, as you say, more so than I see people that... They might be burnt out. They might be sour. They've been working. They've been gone, this and that. And they bring that to work with them. You can't really do that. It's not good. It doesn't create a good environment. And it speaks volumes about how you carry yourself. And it's, you know, abusive power, no. Some people that 
have haven't been home for a while and and been hitting it pretty hard yeah i see that a lot we just did a St. Vincent tour with a lot of European festivals, a lot of rock bands following a little bit of everybody, actually. So you see the guys that are on the grind. You see them on the grind and you're like, wow, this guy is definitely tired. He needs to go home and sit still for a while. And I, I try to get that across to younger people coming up in the business that, you know, don't get to that point. Don't get burnt out to the point where you're not having fun. And and you you it comes across and it's a bother. It shouldn't be a bother. It's a privilege, right? It's a total total yeah. privilege. So I do see relationships, still relationships thriving out there. I'm forming new relationships every time I go on a tour, and I'm really proud to have some very smart people on the last couple of tours that I've done that have have come to me. You know, it might be over a sushi dinner. Or it might be you know, at lunch, off the gig and just say, hey, man, like, I like the way you carry yourself. Here's where I'm at in my career. You know, what do you think I ought to do next? And taking the time to help them, because like I said, you see that they want it. They want to learn. They want to know what the next step is. That makes you feel good right there. So relationships, yes, young and old relationships, coveting the old ones and forming the new ones. Key, key right there. Yeah, it's like I, I like to say, too, yes, it's who you know, but then after, after a certain point, it comes down to what you know, and that it doesn't make sense to know everybody if you don't know anything. <laughs> oh, exactly. I think that you had uh, one of my better friends I've ever met on the road, Javier Alcaraz, on your program, Yep. and we have a great working relationship, and we've we've done some really, really good work together and some fun work together and and put together some really good teams that have been like i said earlier you get home and you're like man i, I kind of miss these people like i've been around them every day for three months let me call them and see what's going on and check in with them keeping those relationships going calling them hey how's your family how's your new baby how's this and that keeping in touch with these people that personal relationship on top of the working relationship but that's key on everything in our life, isn't it? To having those good people around us and gravitating towards them and keeping them close to us. That's also yeah. true. <laughs> Some of my dearest friends today are people that I've known. I started touring in 82, and I still know some of these people that I met on my very first tour. And they're still some of my closest friends today on personal awesome. levels. Yeah, it's just been an amazing, amazing run of great experiences back to back to back. Really, really. I feel so lucky, man. I feel so, so lucky to be in this business still and making a decent living doing something that I enjoy. I really feel lucky. I can't wait to get back out and do it again. I'm ready to go. <laughs> I am ready to go. That's that's great, man. That's That's so great. So my last question to you, over the course of your career, you have also been able to work during two different political events, a presidential victory tour and a G8 summit. Does your workload shift during an event like that? And oh. what are the elements to producing a political event that most people don't consider? Whew, how much time do we have left? Good. <laughs> we got enough. <laughs> we do. Uh, I was I got a call through a relationship to go do the G8 summit in Savannah, Georgia in 2004. And I went and did that. And through doing, you know, just bringing in production and through doing that, the production company that hired me 
pitched an idea to me on site and said, hey, uh, George W. Bush is going out to do all his campaign rallies for his reelection. And we're thinking about sending teams out to produce his production instead of hiring locally all day, every day. Literally, you'll be on a tour of us with 11 other people with a generator behind the tour of us and two semis full of production. And it could be anything. You could turn up. We don't have a schedule. I said, well, what do you mean you don't have a schedule? They said, we don't have a schedule. You will get out there on the road. You'll have a BlackBerry. Literally, I kid you not, you'll have a contact in D.C. And he'll tell you day to day, gig to gig where you're going. And that depends on what states the president is falling behind in. It's your it's campaign rallies. It could be anything. It could be a state park. It could be a town hall meeting. It could be an aircraft hangar on a military base. It could be an arena. It could be a shed. It could be elementary school. It could be anything and a little league field. And I couldn't believe it. I thought, how interesting. I'll sure. Went out and did it without a schedule, buddy. 12 weeks, you and a BlackBerry with no schedule, no answers. So when something like you get out there, you get a call. And this cat in D.C. was one of the nicest guys. And he knew that we knew nothing about this environment, that we were music people. And he, I know it's going to sound bizarre to you, like something out of a Jason Bourne movie. But his code name, honest to God, was John Wayne. And when you referred to him, you called him John Wayne. I don't even think I knew the guy's real name. Seriously. <laughs> he would say, okay, he'd text you. He would send me a message on a BlackBerry. How old is this, right? How long ago is that, Blackberries? And he'd say, I'm calling you in 15 minutes. He would call you on the cell phone they provided or the phone that they provided and say, here's what you're doing. You're going to get on the bus. You're going to go to Lidditz, Pennsylvania. Tomorrow, you're going to arrive. You're going to go to the Baymont Suites. You're going to check in. There's 14 rooms for you. I'll call you at 2 o'clock and let you know what your assignment is. And I'm like, Mission Impossible style. And then 2 o'clock, he called and say, you're going to take the two rigs, the generator, and the bus over. You're going to the airport at Lidditz, Pennsylvania. You'll meet your contact there. Dude, no schedule. Nothing. Day to day, I don't know where I'm going. I don't know what I'm doing. So talk about flying by the seat of your pants and having to be sharp and into it. It it led to some restless night's sleep, not knowing what they were going to throw at you when it was over. But it was super, super interesting. I learned so much then, really what we're super capable of doing with two truckloads of production, sound, light, staging, bike rack, power, and 11 capable hands alongside of you, I realized that you're capable of doing just about anything. With time restraints, of course, I would say to my contact, hey, man, I've been to this arena. It's tough to get in. We might have this, that, or the other thing. I know where you're sending us. I've been to the airport in Lidditz, Pennsylvania. Here's something you, you're not there. You can't manage what you can't see. So let me help you understand the environment you're sending us into. So you had that mutual respect. We started having this relationship of trust when he would hear that you pulled off the gig flawlessly. And then he sends you to the next one. Now he's willing to listen and draw from your experience what can happen, what can't happen. And it was the most interesting job I've ever had. And when it was over... I was glad it was over and I was excited to get back to doing music. I was excited to get back to doing music and seeing a schedule where you knew where you were going to be two weeks from Wednesday, because out there we did not know. We didn't know. 
very interesting. Sounds like a mission. <laughs> it was a complete mission. And we had a couple of stumbles. But again, I had brought 11 people with me that I had worked with before that were totally yeah. capable. And I set those guys down. I go, guys, I don't know what's going on. Honestly, I'll tell you straight up. I don't know where we're going from day to day. I don't know, but I've got you guys. And if you see anything, give me a heads up so I can put out the fire or get ahead of it before it becomes a thing because we're all music touring type people mm -hmm. and there's where that relationship it, it, and that trust thing comes in right there it sounds like fast and furious that that one movie when they the guy came to vin diesel he's like hey get your best guy get your crew and he, he, he went and got his guys and so that's what it sounds like with you it's, it's great oh. that you have those people that you can go to and say hey right best men okay cool i got them and the thing is, is those guys on the presidential tour, they were making it up as they went. You know, we were, mm -hmm. we're at Lidditz, Pennsylvania, said, okay, we're going to land the plane. What plane? The plane. The plane. We're going to land Air Force One right here. They're going to go out and pick him up. He's going to come here. They're routing right in front of you. That was part of the pre-production. So at that point, there was a couple of times I st stepped back and I was thinking, how did I get here? How did I, I got here by listening and learning, as we said earlier today in this call, listening and learning from some of the best. I got right. there by retaining those little pearls of wisdom that sometimes it's not what you say, it's what you don't say. Sometimes you don't need to be the old hard ass. You need to be polite, but firm. And all of those little pearls of wisdom I was applying every day and able to succeed in an environment I knew nothing about. I knew nothing about this whatsoever. But in the end, it was a 100% success rate to the point they called me and said, we're thinking about doing it again. Would you be a part of it? And I said, I would, but I'm going to need a whole lot more money. <laughs> <laughs> right. And I got the call to I got the call to do it again, but I was already committed to something else. Yep, That's something else. That's mm -hmm. pretty cool. That's pretty yeah. cool, man. Uh, <laughs> I really enjoyed this, Lenny, and I really did, I, and I really appreciate you again taking time out of your schedule to come on the same show and share this insight with me and and the listeners. Definitely was fun. It's always great talking to you, as you already know. As a friend of mine now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, tell them how that went down. We we had our little talk, our pre-interview. We hung up, and I thought, I like that guy. And I shot you an email <laughs> going right away saying, I feel like I made a new friend. And you came back right away. You were like, you feel you don't feel like you made a new friend. You definitely made a new friend. Yeah. You know, so so there it is. Now we got a now you and I got a, a friendship going and a relationship going. And you, yes. we don't know how this is going to play out, right? Yeah, we, we don't. Yes, we never know yes. how this is going to play out. Ever. Exactly. Exactly. Keith. Again, you're an awesome guy, and couldn't appreciate you more. <laughs> yeah, man. I just, I can't. I, I just have to thank everybody who ever took a chance and rolled the dice and suggested me for a gig, gig, and called me and said, "Hey, I've got this or I've got that. What do you think?" And just, I really owe it to everybody who came before me because one thing I want to put out there to you. I was talking to my brother who got me kind of into touring earlier. And I said, man, out of curiosity, when we were doing this in the early 80s, how many people do you think were out there touring? And he said, maybe a 1, thousand, 1500. And he said, don't forget back then your reputation was everything. And that's how you got gigs moving forward. So you got to remember 
you must have been doing something right because you've gone on and you've thrived and you've done really well in your career because of the, the people that brought you and you listened and you learned and you, were, you must have done something right because, it, you know, you're here and yeah. you're doing it. That makes you feel good, man, especially coming from your older brother who you love and respect. <laughs> that, that is, that's awesome, man. That yeah, is awesome. Absolutely. Well, thank you again, Lenny. Thank you again, listeners. And you guys are listening to the same show, the show about nothing and everything. And until next time, we're out.